Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Here we are on a Wednesday. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. What are some of your favorite books from when you were a child? One or two books that really captured your imagination. I'm not alone in this, but one of the books I loved was the story of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl. This was a book I read over and over, probably around the ages of nine or ten years old that magical kind of chocolate factory. There were the Oompa Loompas and, of course, the mysterious character of Willy Wonka. And then after reading the book, and I read its follow-up, The Great Glass Elevator, I ended up watching the movie adaptation with Gene Wilder. He's Willy Wonka. And I think I enjoy that movie maybe more as an adult than I did as a child. As a kid, I was more focused on the children in the story. There's Charlie, of course, you know, the protagonist, but also the other spoiled children, the kind of brat children that end up coming to not-so-good ends because of their actions while they're in the chocolate factory on the tour. But now that I'm older, when I watch Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, I'm not following the children as much. I really enjoy some of the more subtle acting and the dialogue that's coming from the adults in the film. Things that I would have seen as a child, but I didn't really catch the full meaning until I was older. One of the best things in that movie, I think, is this kind of theme that happens again and again. It's how Willy Wonka, he'll give an answer or he'll make a statement. And it sounds like the right thing on the surface, but you can never quite know if you should take him seriously or not. Or sometimes you know exactly that it's dripping with sarcasm. And while he is excited to be able to show off his chocolate factory, he's someone who is not very patient with rude or foolish behavior. One of my favorite lines that Willy Wonka speaks, it's when he knows that his warning is going to fall on deaf ears. One of the young boys that's going on this tour, his name is Mike TV, and he jumps on this platform where moments ago, a chocolate bar has just been transported across the room to a receiving television that's more than a television. It allows the chocolate not only to be seen, but really be sent. You can grab the chocolate bar there. It actually is transported. And this boy character, Mike TV, he wants to do the same thing with himself. He starts the machine to transport himself the exact same way. As he's starting to do this, Mike's mother is yelling at him saying to get away from the machine. She's starting to get worked up, panicking at his rash behavior. 
And then Willy Wonka, he speaks the words that he should say in the moment. But he doesn't really say them to Mike. He more says them to no one in particular. And they're said very flatly. There's no urgency, no real emotion. In fact, he doesn't lean forward towards Mike. He leans back against a countertop and says very plainly, stop, don't, come back. But of course, Mike isn't going to listen to anyone. He's going to do what he wants to do. And Willy Wonka knows this. So why expend the energy on trying to tell him to actually stop when he won't listen? Sometimes we might find ourselves in a position where we know we should say something to someone we care about, warning them about their behavior or an activity that could be problematic or dangerous even for them. But if you find yourself in this kind of situation, you probably know that your words won't be welcomed, especially if you're pointing out some sort of sinful behavior, something that's immoral, and, and you're, you're trying to have that conversation with someone you know. At the same time, you might be the only person who has that kind of relationship with the person where you can say something honest about how that person needs to change. So how should you approach that conversation? How can you be direct yet loving at the same time? How can you make that message receptive rather than cause conflict and possibly ruin a relationship, maybe drive a further wedge between that person and the faith, the church? Well, this is what we want to talk about today on The Inner Life, fraternal correction with our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And joining us as our spiritual director today, very glad to have back on the program, Father Matthew Spencer. Father Matthew is a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph. He's the provincial superior and the shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph, based out of Santa Cruz, California. Father Matthew, welcome back. Always good to have you here on the show. Oh, thank you, Josh. It's always a pleasure to join you. So, Willy Wonka, words falling on deaf ears. Um, (laughs) Hopefully that's not the case if we want to talk with somebody about, uh, you know, some sort of sinful behavior that they're engaged in. Maybe before we get into the process, though, um, you know, there are a couple of things that I think might be good to understand. One of the first things that comes to mind is Jesus himself, a verse that's quoted so often, especially in our contemporary society, judge not lest ye be judged. And right after this, he talks about removing the huge wooden plank from your own eye before you attempt to help someone remove the speck of dust from their eye. So that concept of judging others, how do we look and have judgment in its proper place, the proper context, as we look at this idea and this process of fraternal correction? Yeah, I mean, judge not is an important is an important principle to use, but we have to realize that Jesus is giving us that injunction in the context of comparing how we judge others to what judgment we expect, right? It never meant that we can't, we shouldn't judge any situation or any context. Why? Because to live, to be a human being means we have to assess what we're doing. We have to make a judgment call on that and then move forward. I think the the challenging part for us, Josh, is that 
usually our judgment is is colored right it's 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 uh colored by our own experience it's colored by our by our own biases right. uh, and this is why jesus in matthew 7 tells us take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly and then of course he says to take the speck out of your brother's eye so he he doesn't say you shouldn't ever be involved in helping your brother live his life more more uh, live his life better he just means you have to do it with the right motivation you have to do it with the right perspective and and to see things clearly first well, yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, it seems to be kind of a warning for us. Um, mm. You know, make sure you address your own issues before getting too caught up in trying to correct someone else. Um, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you, me, anyone listening, you know, I am first and foremost responsible for my own actions, my own behavior, my own decisions. And I might have some responsibility for others, you know, my children especially, uh, you know, others that might be under my care or guidance or, you know, there's some sort of maybe uh, kind of mentorship or whatever it might be. But they're still responsible for themselves more than I'm responsible for them. I need to take ownership of my own actions. And, and, you know, at the same time, I'm not saying here that, you know, getting that giant log or plank out of your own eye that that means we have to be perfect in all aspects before we can talk with somebody else about what's happening in their life. We we just have to make sure that we're working for that change in our own lives. Yeah, I think that's right. It's it's a mindset, right? It's well, am I approaching helping others from a point of humility or am I doing it from the point of judgment, right? Um am I am I desiring the salvation of my brothers and sisters out of love or am i trying to call out their sin to yeah. shame them or <laughs> uh-huh. to for all the variety of different you know misguided reasons uh yeah and, and i think you're you're I, I would agree with you completely that it's m- m- more about the mindset and the approach and how we're how we're uh how we're helping our brothers and sisters and the motives behind that yeah well and if we have a true, a real awareness of our own sins, if we're being honest about our own struggles and how we have to rely on God. You know, we can't change on our own. We can only be redeemed from our sinfulness by God's grace. Um, it's it's God drawing us to himself. You know, it's not us working our way to heaven. If we have that understanding there in regards to our own faults and failings, this allows us to then approach anyone else with a spirit of real humility and also understanding that, you know, yeah, I, I have my own struggles. And so while, while I might not be struggling with the thing you are dealing with, that might not be my temptation. That might not be the sin that I struggle with. It really, I think, can get us away from any sort of judgmental attitude towards someone else. It looks like, did we lose Father Matthew? All right. All right. Well, we're going to try and reconnect with Father Matthew Spencer here. And uh, while we do that, I also meant to mention this yesterday, and it completely slipped my mind. But (laughs) since I've got a couple minutes here, um, next month, November, the Church invites us to especially celebrate the lives of our friends and our family who have passed away, and especially to pray for their entry into heaven. 
And so I'd like to invite you. I hope you can join us here at Relevant Radio and your extended faith family in praying for the holy souls, praying from November 2nd through the 10th as we offer a novena for the souls in purgatory. And you can submit names yourself, up to 20 names of your departed loved ones. You can do that at relevantradio.com slash souls anytime before November 10th. But I would really encourage you to sign up right now because if you submit those names right now, uh, you'll receive also reflections from our executive director here, Father Rocky, every day of that novena. So, you know, if you sign up the 9th or 10th of November, you'll still get those last two. But if you want to get all nine days of reflections from Father Rocky, well, sign up now. And of course, then we can join together and pray together for the souls uh, that they are, are able to move into the kingdom of heaven. Again, sign up at relevantradio.com slash souls, and then join us as we pray together uh, every day during Mass, during the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. That's at 3 o'clock Central. And then also, again, during the Family Rosary Across America, and that's at 7 o'clock Central each evening. Uh, Father Matthew, sounds like we have you back here. Welcome back. And uh, don't know, were you able to hear what I was kind of uh, asking and, and saying there in regards to being aware of our own sins? No, I'm sorry. I, we got completely disconnected. All right. In so, scramble. well, and just to kind of pick up on where we were conversationally, uh, so we were talking about this distinction between judging, calling people out, you know, having more of this attitude of, I just want to be right, as opposed to doing this out of love. But as we're talking about the the wooden plank, taking that wooden plank out of our eyes, if we have a, a true awareness of our own sins and what we have struggled with in our past, then knowing that we rely on God for his help, that, you know, that, that kind of famous phrase, but for the grace of God, there go I, it really, I think, allows us to approach anyone else with a true spirit of humility you know, we understand. I might not be struggling with what you're struggling with, but I, I, I have my own struggles. I'm working on those. I'm aware of them. But it, it also gets us away from any sort of judgmental attitude. Yeah. You know, Josh, it makes me think of, of the saints that have gone before us, you know, that uh, I'm trying to think of a saint who was more judgmental than merciful, and I can't, I can't think of one, right? Because I think the the closer we get to God, the more we realize how unworthy we are of serving Him, of following Him, of being in relationship with Him, and that sh- hopefully makes us more uh, aware of uh, of being merciful towards others. Um, it's not that we stop judging; it's that we realize that well, God is judging. God is the one that's taking care of the judging. I want the best for this person and what is going to be the best in this situation. Sometimes it's calling them out, people out on their sins with love. Um, a lot of times it's showing them a better path by our, by our actions, by our kindness, by our, our, our very lives. So yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think the, the more we grow in holiness, the more gentle we become in our approach towards others. And that doesn't mean that we we're watering down the faith or we're ignoring the truth. It means that we're seeing the bigger picture. We're allowing God to be judge and, and looking for those opportunities in love to invite others to turn away from their right. sins. Right. Well, and then, you know, as you're saying, we're not whitewashing, but we can also then 
cling to those words that St. Paul says, you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And mm. it's God is, God is bigger than any of the sins we've committed in our lives. And, and, and again, it gets us away from an attitude of judgmental, uh, uh, you know, that judgmental approach but allows us to say, oh, the, the mercy I've seen in my life, you can experience that too. And that's what God wants for you. Another thing that might be good to talk about here, and, and then maybe we can move into what Jesus says about the process of speaking to a brother or sister who is in sin. This is the issue of scandal. And when we talk about scandal in the church, this is really a different concept than the tabloid kind of scandal that we regularly hear about in our modern modern society. Can you kind of explain what we mean when we talk about wanting to avoid scandal in the church? Yeah, so the Catechism speaks about scandal beginning in paragraph 2284. Scandal is is an attitude or a behavior that that is becomes part of our lives that then leads others to do evil. So when my attitude or my actions cause others to sin, then that is scandal. And the catechism in subsequent paragraphs will talk about how scandal becomes more grave the more one has a responsibility in authority. So for example, it, it is more grave objectively for me as a priest to, to exhibit sinful scandalous behavior. Why? Because I've been given a, a particular charge and a, a responsibility for leadership and witness in the church, and, and I have to live up to that. Now, it doesn't mean that it's not a big deal if somebody who's not a priest is, is giving scandal. It just means that there, there are gradations of, of gravity when it comes to, to scandal. Um, and this is, I mean, this is a very interesting thing to think about, Josh, in the context of social media, in the context of the information age. The things that we say flippantly or the things that we demonstrate on social media by our behavior, by our words, by, by our very expressions of thought uh, can lead people to sin. And I think we we kind of wash our hands of that a lot of times and think, well, that's not my responsibility. Uh, I'm just saying what's on my mind. Uh, well, actually, everything that we do in communication and in action has an effect, either positive or negative, on other people, either helping them in their spiritual life or being an obstacle in their spiritual life. And it's, it's, a, it's an important responsibility that we have to think about what am I doing, what am I saying, and is that leading other people to holiness, or is that going to lead them to sin? Yeah, yeah, well, and that can be a bit scary when you start thinking about that, you know, mm. if... If you if you enter into that role, I, I know that was you know one of my thoughts even before taking this uh, you know taking over this show for Chuck Neff, who used to be the host of it, is when you step into that position where you're trying to teach, trying to help others grow in the faith. You know, we're told you're going to be held to a higher accountability, and uh, and. <laughs> And uh, Jesus even says, you know, it's it's better that someone tie a millstone around their neck and throw themselves into the sea than mislead one of these little ones, you know, mm. somebody young in the faith. So there's there's something very serious about that. Again, you know, we don't want to whitewash that. But at the same time, uh, understanding that 
you know, none of us is perfect, uh, but we want to we want to strive for that goal of living in perfection. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So that's uh, that's that's a hard order, tall order, there, Father. It is, yeah. I mean, the the Catechism will go on to say anyone who uses the power at his disposal in such a way that it leads others to do wrong becomes guilty of scandal and and becomes responsible for the evil that he has directly or indirectly encourage. Uh, so you're right. I mean, it's uh, it makes us tremble. Here we are talking to a pretty big audience uh-huh, and uh-huh. the things that we say because of the power at our disposal, uh, you know, given given the words we're able to, to share, um, can lead people to holiness and to truth or can lead them away. And, and what an important responsibility to take seriously. Talking with Father Matthew Spencer today here on The Inner Life. Father Matthew is a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph, and we're talking about fraternal correction. And when have you had to talk with somebody about some sort of sinful behavior or action that they were doing? And how did you approach them so that they would be receptive to what you had to say? Uh, Maybe you're in a situation right now where you think you need to have that conversation, you need to speak with someone about their sinful behavior. Maybe you're not sure if you're the right person, or you think you are the right person, but you're not even sure how to begin to address it. Uh, You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Matthew Spencer, and our phone number here, 888-914-9149, Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Coming up next, we'll go through the process that Jesus gives us for that fraternal correction when we have somebody in the church who is engaged in that sinful behavior. That's coming up next year on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. This is The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, today speaking with Father Matthew Spencer, and we're talking about fraternal correction, how we can speak with somebody else that is part of the church, a follower of Christ, especially when there might be things that they're doing that are problematic, that are sinful. And we're also welcoming your phone call. Uh, Maybe you're in that situation, you have somebody that you care about, and you're not sure how you can kind of broach that subject without making them resentful, making them turn away, ruining a relationship. Uh, Maybe you've done this in the past. Maybe you've been able to have that conversation with somebody. How did it go? Were you able to help them come back to make that kind of turn back to the church? Or 
Did you go at it in a way that caused more harm to the relationship? Have you learned something along the way and, and how you would approach it now? Our phone number here in the studio, 888-914-9149, So, Father, let's look at what the Scriptures actually say about approaching someone and speaking with them about their sin. And the main place that we see this addressed, this is in the 18th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, and it's starting in verse 15. I'll just read it here. It says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So again, these are the words that Jesus gives us, but maybe can you help us unpack this? Is there anything, I guess, at first that initially stands out to you in this passage? Well, I love, I love how systematic Jesus is in this point. You know, he's, he's very clear with the criteria of when this applies. So he says, if your brother sins against you, right? He doesn't say, well, if you're annoyed or if there's a pet peeve of yours that's being offended or if, you know, you think that you want to shame somebody publicly. No, no, the criteria is, is somebody uh, sinning in this in this situation? Is there something that needs to objectively be corrected? And I think that's the first step in fraternal correction because we all, Josh, want others to live more like we think is better. Right. right. We want, yeah, I know we how every should, everybody should act. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, I'm living the best way. Shouldn't people be more like me? Yep. And, um, and so we tend, to, we tend to want to correct things that maybe aren't even sinful in other people's lives. We just find them maybe off-putting or annoying or something like this. So first we have to be, we have to be careful about this. And the next step there in verse 15, I think, is, is very important that you also underlined, is that you, you go to your brother or your sister in private. You go alone. I mean, the first step is to, is to address this directly, face-to-face, and also uh, privately. Why? Well, you're trying to protect the reputation of everybody. You're trying to maintain good relationships. And you're also trying to avoid causing scandal, which we just talked about by gossiping or by, you know, pointing out sin or leading others to sin, this kind of thing. And um, just that verse alone, I see is hard for us to live, right? It's much easier to go on Twitter and point out what somebody said that's wrong rather than to pick up the phone, give them a phone call and say, did you really think about that particular point? Maybe mm-hmm. I wonder if you you could see this from a different angle and you start to start to to handle it in a more private way. Yeah, there's a lot of very passive aggressive kind of behavior that we see in social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe not saying the person's name directly, but you know, having that kind of well, I hate when people do this. And then it just raises in the mind of everybody who sees that, well, who did that? Why are you saying that? And rather than going to that person alone, you know, I don't, I I cannot personally think of seeing a time where this kind of process was ever, ever carried out the way that Jesus instructs us here. Part of that could just simply be, I've never been in a situation 
where this has come up around me. You know, maybe there's just been the the blessed fortune of anybody who has been confronted on something they needed to change in their life. It was that first or second step that took care of it. It didn't need to be brought before the church. But yeah, bringing something before the church, I've never seen anything like that happen. Have you Have you ever witnessed that yourself? Well, I, I think maybe, um, first of all, I've definitely seen times when we have to take other witnesses there, right? So verse 16 is maybe somebody who doesn't listen to you in private. And then mm-hmm. you, you have to have an objective third party. You have to have somebody else to help adjudicate or, or to help uh, clarify what's happening here. Uh, and that's that's helpful, right? Because it's not then it's not just a personal opinion of mine, but hey, what, what we're doing is trying to find where is the objective truth and what, what should happen here. Um, I think verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell the church, um, this doesn't mean now I can go tell everybody about the right. sin of my brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I can write a Facebook post that will clearly tell everybody about these sins. No, what it means is that we need a greater authority than than I have over this person. And so I, I definitely, you know, in my in my situation in religious life, Josh, it's very interesting. This process uh, happens quite a bit mm. um, in the sense that we live in community, uh, we live as brothers in community, and when a brother will see that I did something wrong, he will come to me and tell me gently, you know, privately, uh, charitably, he'll come and point that out and uh, and ask me to reconsider, and, and, and that's helpful. And if I see it from his point of view and see that, that he's right, then of course I'll, I'll amend my ways. If not, then we'll bring another brother in to try and discuss, well, was this really a problem? How do we how do we find find this out here? But there are cases in religious life where somebody is so persistent in maybe doing living a life that's not consistent with their vocation that you have to get the church involved and you have to say, okay, we need the bishop to come talk, or maybe we need the the a diacastry from the Vatican to talk. So there are cases where this does happen. Okay, uh, yeah, you know those first two steps there. I, I can think of, I guess, more on a just a personal level where I've seen that, especially in regards to alcoholism. You know, people mm-hmm. that I know who have been uh, dealing with alcoholism in their past, where it might be one family member or somebody who's coming and talking to that person at first, then it can be more people from the family that are kind of brought in, almost an intervention kind of setting where you're trying to say, we want the best for you. Um, you know, that's not that's not necessarily in the same realm as you're talking about where we then can go to some sort of authority in the church. But it makes me think, you know, this also can be a way to address certain things that you might encounter in your family life or in the workplace. And it might be at least a good couple of starting steps in addressing things that can, you know, lead to conflict in the future if you're trying to eradicate that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, what what's always on my mind behind these passages that we're, we're reflecting on in Matthew 18 is, I think it's Ephesians 4. St. Paul says, um, Say only the good things people need to hear, things that will really help them, right? And that that is true 
not only just in our regular conversation, it's especially true when we're coming to help somebody turn away from sin. So I think your example of, of an intervention, for example, for an alcoholic is a good idea. I mean, I'm sorry, is a good example that um, we tell them the good things that they need to hear, right? They need to hear that there's a problem. They need to hear that they need help. Uh, and those things will really help them, hopefully, right? That's, the, that's what's that's behind That's the this. desired outcome, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think if, if we look at these verses and we say, well... Could I also say with St. Paul that I'm saying only the good things that people need to hear, things that will really help them? I think it will change the whole way we approach fraternal correction. It will be done more charitably. It will be done uh, more uh, more genuinely. And it will be more effective because we're doing it from a place of, of humility and true concern for our brother or sister. Uh, we talked about earlier in the hour uh, you know, addressing our own sinful areas before we approach somebody else on, you know, problematic areas in their lives. Are there any other things that you think might be beneficial before you address a sin with somebody else? Uh, You know, lots of prayer, of course, uh, but, you know, any specific prayers, I guess, that you think might be very helpful as you prepare for that possible conversation and anything else that can be really helpful? I think prayer is absolutely essential. When we're when we are preparing to to point out a sin of our brother or our sister and to to invite them to repent from it, which, by the way, is important to do, right? It, it's important to help people turn away from sin, and it's a work of mercy to help uh, somebody come to the fullness of the truth and to turn away from their sin. So we shouldn't see it as something bad, but we should see it as a very grave responsibility that we have that should be done with the utmost care. And in order to do that, yes, I think prayer is absolutely essential. I think we pray uh, in, uh, in, uh, insistently, fervently before the Lord uh, for some time before we address this. And there are, are many aspects of that prayer. We pray that first, Lord, send, send forth your Holy Spirit. Help me to see if I am correct here, if I'm seeing things right, if if there couldn't be another explanation, you know, there are various times that I have I have seen or thought that somebody was really hurting me, offending me, really sinning. When I learned the whole situation, I, I saw it completely different, and I realized, oh wait, maybe this wasn't an opportunity for me to correct them, but instead to to understand their motives better or understand the situation better. So we yeah. have to pray, and the Holy Spirit helps us to know uh, to know uh, the truth, and also to have the words to communicate that to others. Talking about how we enter into that realm of fraternal correction with our brothers, our sisters in Christ, how we have that conversation, and how we approach that in a loving way, not a judgmental or a condemning way. And maybe you're in that situation right now where you think you might have to be the one to talk with somebody about that sinful behavior. You're you're still trying to discern. You're not sure if you're the right person to have that conversation, or maybe you're not even sure how to begin to address it. You're welcome to call in and talk with Father Matthew Spencer. The phone number is 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Father, we've got Tom calling in from San Antonio. Tom, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Matthew. Hi, Father Matthew. Thanks for taking my call. So my question is, you know, this is an uh, election season, 
And uh, there are some candidates that are actually pro-abortion candidates that all the way up until birth. And then you notice signs and stuff of, of these candidates in, uh, let's say, somebody from church, Knights of Columbus, and how do you approach something like that? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question and a very concrete very concrete um, example. I think you, you follow those steps that we just discussed in Matthew 18. I think the first step is to go and talk to this person privately, one-on-one. And I would say, Tom, it, it's, um, it's helpful sometimes to approach it instead of, instead of uh, directly, as Matthew uh, 18, 15 says, you know, to just go and, and discuss the sin directly. Maybe you go and you hear them out and you say, well, why would you think that it's okay to promote this particular candidate? Why do you think it's okay to, to promote this particular legislative bill or, or whatever it might be? And hear them out and enter into dialogue. I think one of the one of the uh, one of the really important things in fraternal correction is realizing that uh, they're only going to hear things from us if they know that we actually care, if they know that we actually are interested in their life. Because as soon as we think that somebody doesn't actually care or is just trying to correct us, uh, we shut them out, right? I mean, that's just kind of a natural fallen human reaction. Um, so first, I think we we frame it in our own minds. We frame that conversation in the in the context of the relationship that's there. So maybe if we don't know them, we introduce ourselves to them. Maybe we share a little bit about ourselves with them, and we try and create uh, enter into dialogue with them. Uh, let me tell you, Tom, that's harder than just kind of saying, "Well, here's a flyer on why that candidate shouldn't be elected," uh, because it, it requires us to enter into dialogue. But I think it has much better uh, long-term effects when we when we establish relationships and then can work on correcting those ills. Thanks for the call, Tom. And uh, Father, maybe after the break here, we can talk about, in the Catholic Encyclopedia, it gives very specific guidelines, five uh, guidelines of when it is appropriate to proceed with this kind of fraternal correction. And I, I really found them beneficial in helping me understand, you know, when when there might be that right moment to have that conversation. So let's talk about that coming up next. Again, our phone number here, if you'd like to join the program, as we talk with Father Matthew Spencer, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or you can email us, relevantradio.com. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Back to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today, Father Matthew Spencer is sitting in as our spiritual director. He's a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph, the provincial superior and shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph in Santa Cruz, California. And we're talking about fraternal correction here today. How do we talk with someone when they're in uh, sinful lifestyle, sinful behavior, something that is problematic? And we know we need to say something, but... 
it might not be an easy or pleasant conversation. Uh, so, so many questions around this, and also inviting your phone calls here at 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Father, before the break, I mentioned this section of the Catholic Encyclopedia that gives these different guidelines of when it is appropriate to proceed with this kind of fraternal correction. And this is me more just summing them up. It's not reading exactly. The first one, that it's something serious. Uh, The second is that there is good reason to believe that the person is not going to change this behavior on their own. Third is that they will actually listen to what you say. The fourth is that no one else is quite suited to the same way that you are to be able to speak to this person. And then the fifth, that it says there is no special trouble or disadvantage accruing to the reformer as a result of his or her zeal. Um, you know, the, the, the points here, I guess the ones that really kind of stand out to me are the third and the fourth. Um, the, the second point, I think would be a given, you know, but it might be difficult to discern, is that person going to change on their own? But the third, we've kind of talked about this a little, will that person actually listen to what we're saying? And I think that's pretty tricky because, you know, as we pointed out earlier, nobody likes to be told that they're wrong, and we all want to be the ones to say, well, we're doing it right. So I would think this could almost be used as an out every time. Will they listen to me? Well, probably not. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, that I could just stop right there. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, um, of course, we can come to that conclusion sometimes out of fear. We can come that's to right. that conclusion sometimes because uh, we don't, we're not giving them uh, the benefit of the doubt here. But we might also be right, you know, <laughs> it could be true that they won't hear us out. Uh, and I think that's the that's the challenge with fraternal correction, right? I mean, that's the that's the challenge of this whole topic that we've taken up is it's uh, it's not so crystal clear how to do it best, how to uh, in in a particular cases, right? How to address these, how to know if somebody's actually going to repent. Um, I think that's why prayer is has to be an, an essential part of this. We have to realize this is a, a spiritual act as well as a moral act that we're 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 doing. Um, I, I think it, Josh, it goes back to what we were discussing uh, just a few minutes ago that we have to approach it with humility. We have to approach it with um, with the best understanding of the Lord's will in this situation that we can. And when we do, when we take our fear out of it, take our own pride out of it, uh, then, then hopefully we'll do the right thing. Uh, that fourth line there also, that one that no one else is as well fitted to confront this individual, I think that's a really tough question to answer too. You know, that's a matter of discernment. Uh, how do I know if I really am the right person to address this, to have this conversation? How can I be certain that God wants me to be the one to speak to this person? Um, I, I would think sometimes it might be a little more clear-cut, but often this is probably going to be a question all the way up until you have that conversation. I, I, any advice on how you can kind of try and discern if you really are the right person to address this for some individual that you care about? Hmm. 
yeah, I think we we first consider whether whether it is our responsibility to to correct that mistake, right? I mean, sins happen around us all the time. Sins, uh, sadly, right? Very unfortunately, everywhere we go, we can see people using the name of the Lord in vain. We can see people lying. We can see people treating other people uh, poorly. Uh, we can't fix every situation, and we're not called to to go out there and call out every particular sin. Uh, so we have to be prudent about uh, and careful about knowing whether we are the ones to correct this particular sin. And I think a big part of it is, well, what is my relationship to this person? Um, is 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 there a, for example, if it's my pastor? and they've made a mistake, well, there's an important relationship there that would probably give me a responsibility to say, even though there's a power difference, and even though maybe I would feel intimidated by it, because I'm one uh, a member of this parish, there is a responsibility I have to, to speak to the pastor. On the other hand, if it's a random priest halfway around the world that I didn't like what he posted on YouTube, is it my responsibility to send him a private but scathing email about what he said and why it's wrong? You know, I think there's there's a difference there that that is uh, calculated based on our closeness, based on our relationship to them. And I'm I'm speaking rather generally because you can't really define this so clearly. But um, I think prayer helps with that. I think exploring what the connection of those relationships is helps with that. And then us uh, being honest about, well, is there somebody else that can do this, that has the responsibility to do this, and therefore it isn't my place to, 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 uh, to approach this person? Well, and the other part that you said there, you know, should I send a, a scathing email about something that they said that was wrong? there also is the question of, am I absolutely certain that what they said was wrong or what they did was truly sinful? You know, is, is that something where I am being more on the judgmental side and maybe there's a little more latitude there? There are certain things, of course, that are absolutely sinful. I'm not saying that. But there are other areas where there's going to be a little more room for the role of conscience and how how things might be addressed in certain situations are not necessarily how they'll be addressed in every situation. Yeah, you know, Josh, I, I did radio for a little bit with, with you at Relevant Radio sometime back, and occasionally, as, as you kind of alluded to, occasionally you say something poorly on the radio, and it's awkward and, and sometimes humorous, sometimes maybe even comes out and, and raises people's eyebrows because you, you accidentally say something. Right. Well, it's it's um it's unfortunate, but some people will will quickly grab on to those inadvertent, completely uh, you know uh, innocent mistakes, and uh, and then want to make a correction. And and you have to say, I, I learned during that process, like, wow, people people want to to help you, but people aren't always judging the, those <laughs> circumstances the best, right? Yeah, yeah. And um and so we have to, I think we have to be careful about that. Am I? Am I, um, is it truly something that needs correction? Or like you said, maybe it was a mistake that the person is already horrified by, you know, once they realized how it was interpreted or, right. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, especially if it doesn't fit with kind of uh, what you see 
as more consistent behavior. If it goes against that, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it was something that, that, yeah, you you aren't giving them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Patty who's calling in from Chicago. Patty, glad to have you here on The Inner Life. Great, thank you. You kind of touched on my uh, my question about mm. how do we not come across judgmental when we're mm. trying to bring something to light. And um, I think prayer is probably the big big thing. But my judge, what I think is a judgmental attitude, keeps me from saying anything or yeah. bringing anything. I I love this. I love this question, Patty, because. It kind of it kind of gets to the heart of whether our our correction will even be received well, whether it will even be effective. And I forget who said it now, but I think they said I, maybe it was some relationship uh, book that I read. But for every every negative thing you have to say, say five positive things uh, there, because that's what it takes for people to be able to to hear something difficult. They need to be affirmed and 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 it's not that we're coddling them or treating them poorly it's that that's how the human psyche works right as soon as as soon as we hear something negative about us our defenses go up we become maybe hostile or aggressive or at least we just tune out and um and i think patty one way that we can work to come across as not judgmental is to frame our our invitation to conversion to the other in a in a loving uh, way that that affirms the good that's happening that recognizes the good things and it's not trying to just give lip service it's being authentic and saying there there are some very good things that are happening here um, I also am concerned about this particular thing and and we frame that in in a more uh, a healthy more balanced approach I think that that helps to for the the recipient to realize that we're not just trying to wag our finger at them. We really do want to love them. We want them to know that we love them. Um, And so we frame it in that way. Yeah, well, and and that's where... You know, we can we can do a disservice to people on either side on being too harsh on trying to be frank and honest and not having that balance. But also, if we don't want to hurt feelings and we're not, you know, if we're not pointing out the seriousness of the sin if we try and downplay that. Either side of that can be a disservice to that person. But if we're talking about the seriousness of the sin in the same breath, or at least in the very next breath, we want to make sure that we're also including God's, that message of God's mercy and forgiveness, that they hear that in conjunction with what we're addressing as problematic or sinful behavior. Yeah, well said. Uh, Father, we're down to just about a minute left here. If somebody is looking to, you know, have that conversation, they feel like I, I, I need a little bit more. Any place that you might point them. We've talked about the Catholic Encyclopedia. You, you know, referenced in the uh, Catechism earlier. Anything that you would say this is a good resource for you that can help you, maybe as you're looking to see, am I needing to talk to somebody about this? You know, there is a a not well-known church document. It was written for consecrated individuals. It's called Fraternal Life in Community. 
Uh, it's a beautiful document on men and women living in religious life. But I would say read it because it talks about relationships. It talks about communication from a from the point of view of Christ, and it's just a beautiful way to look at fraternal correction in a loving way. Beautiful fraternal life in community, uh, Father. We've got about fifteen seconds. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Heavenly Father, look upon all of our listeners with your great mercy. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thank you, Father Matthew Spencer, for being here with us during this hour. And if you joined us late, of course, the podcast will be posted shortly at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. And stick with us. Mass starts right now here on Relevant Radio.